what happens one minute after you die? I'm curious, uh, how many of you would say that the topic, the subject of death and dying is something that you think about, you're comfortable thinking about it, and you even are open to discussing it with others? Let me see your hands. Okay, you can put them down. And how many of you would say, you know, this topic of death and dying, yeah, not so much. You know, I really don't care to think about it. It makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I certainly don't want to talk about it with others all that much. How many of you would say you're there? Okay, all right, you can put your hands down. Um, I don't mind talking about it or thinking about it all that much. Probably one reason is because I am a pastor, so I've interacted with a lot of people who are dying or their loved ones. I've had a number of funerals through the years, and perhaps because of that, it's made me think more about it. So at home, I have a file for what happens when I die. My wife knows where it is, tells her what to do with my body, funeral details, and all that kind of thing, which may sound a little bit morbid to you, especially if you don't like thinking about it. But one reason I've done it is I've seen people in that situation, family, and it can be a really difficult time. So it, I think it just relieves some stress. It makes it easier for them if I just go ahead and put all that down. So like it or not, if it's a reality. It's inevitable. So even if you don't like thinking about it, to not think about it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Just suppose you're uh, headed for a job interview. This is the job you've wanted for a long time, save in five, ten years. We'll call this your dream job. And you have a job interview. Now, would you go into that job interview thinking about how you should prepare for it, maybe what you would wear, what questions might be asked of you, how you're going to respond to those questions? Or would you just say, eh, I won't worry about it, we'll just see what happens? We would call that being short-sighted, perhaps even foolish. Now, I understand some of us are a little apprehensive about this topic. It, for some of us, it can bring even some fear and make, you, make us anxious. But it does not have to be that way. Because the Bible gives us incredible hope and promise and comfort for the future. So we're going to begin a new series today, and we are calling it One Minute After You Die um, for the next four weeks. It'll be during the month of November. Should be pretty interesting. Um, today, what happens when you die next week? Adam's going to look at the topic of um, cremation and suicide. We get asked a lot of questions about that. Then in a couple of weeks, we'll look at the topic of what is heaven like. The last week of the... Uh, series that we're going to do, I guess you could call it a Q&A, FAQ, something like that. We've been asked a number of questions through the years about this topic, death, dying, heaven, eternity, and so on. And in fact, we surveyed some people and got the responses. And we're just going to spend that morning, Adam and I are going to team up, and we're just going to go back and forth, and we're going to answer some of those questions. So for example, we're going to answer the question, will my pet be in heaven? I mean, like if you're a parent and you have kids and they have this beloved pet and it dies, you have been or you probably will be asked that question, right? Uh, will I know my spouse when I get to heaven? Will I know my parents? Will I know my kids? Will I know my friends when I get to heaven? 
do we become angels? Is heaven going to be boring? And perhaps the most important question of all, will there be sports in heaven? Okay, we're going to cover it all. Those questions and many, many more in a few weeks. Like I said, it should be interesting. By the way, if you do the Ridge Reading Challenge, tomorrow we start reading about this topic of death and dying and heaven and eternity, and we'll do that throughout the series too. So looking forward to being able to do that throughout the week and read and see what the Bible has to say about it. But today, we're going to look at this topic, what happens when you die? Now, the Bible says quite a bit about it. It doesn't give us every detail, so what we often do is we compare what one part of the Bible says with another part of the Bible to kind of figure this out. But even though we don't know everything, because the Bible doesn't tell us everything, there are a couple of things we do know. One, we have some decisions to make. And two, the Bible gives us incredible hope and gives us incredible comfort for the future, for life after death. So what happens when you die? Now, you know, we all know you can't choose when and you can't choose how you're going to die. Maybe you've thought about, you know, your preferred way to die, your preferred way not to die. But the reality is we're all going to die. Um, my wife and I like to go to Florida in the winter. When it's cold here, we like to go where it's warm. And sometimes I'll swim in the ocean. They, you know, the water temperature's even a little bit chilly down there. Um, that time of year, January, February, it's like in the low 60s. So I'll wear a wetsuit and I'll often go out about 100 yards from shore and just swim parallel to the shore. And my wife just walks the beach while I swim. Well, one day this last year, I was swimming and all of a sudden I felt this pretty hard thud right against my side, like my rib cage. And I went, well, that was interesting. So when I got to shore, I told my wife, and I said, something hit me pretty hard in the side. And her response was, maybe it was a shark. I was like, thank you, Janet, for that. But uh, I, it, more than likely not. But there are a lot of fish. It could have been a fish that ran in. It may, I mean, it could have been a dolphin. We see dolphins swimming out there a lot. Maybe it was Flipper, you know? I know you have to have lived through the 1960s to, to know about that. But... Um, Here's what I think really happened. There was a storm the night before, pretty windy, and it churned up the ocean a lot. And I think it was just a piece of debris that hit me. That's what I'm, that's my story. I'm sticking with it anyway, okay? But uh, regardless, you know, you, you, I doubt it was a shark. You, you know that um, less than one person a year dies of a shark attack around the world. But boy, when it happens, we hear about it, don't we? But probably not your preferred way to die, right? I mean, it's more likely for a coconut to fall on your head than you to be attacked by a shark. It really is. Um, it's more likely that you'll fall off the toilet and die than being attacked by a shark. It's more likely that you'll get your head caught in a vending machine and die from that than a shark attack. Yeah, look it up. Two or three people die every year from getting their head caught in a vending machine. And like I said, less than one dies every year from a shark attack. Now, it's fair to ask the question, why is their head in a vending machine? All right? Leave the Doritos alone. It is not worth it. I'm telling you now. But, you know, we can't choose how we're going to die. We can't choose when we're going to die. Hopefully not from a shark attack. But we are going to die. 
And the Bible tells us a lot about that. So we're going to look at that today. We're just going to dive in, no pun intended. And what I want to do is take an approach to just go step by step this morning. I'm just going to walk you through five things that the Bible does tell us about death. So here's the first one. It's this. You don't really die. Your body dies, but you really don't. Your spirit continues to exist. Um, I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in here this morning. I'm going to read the first four verses. And keep in mind that Paul, who wrote this, is talking to followers of Jesus. So this applies to them. Here's what it says. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down body, that it is, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. Some of you are saying, tell me about it, right? While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Most of us have had the experience of going to a funeral home and when someone died, and viewing the body. Um, when my aunt died many years ago, my niece was just a little girl at the time, and her parents told her that her aunt was in heaven. And as they were standing there, it was her first experience to view a body in a casket for my niece. And as they were standing there looking in, my niece looked up at her mom and said, if Aunt Sarah is in heaven, then why is she lying there? Fair question, isn't it? It's a good question. So when your physical body dies, your spirit continues on into eternity. Paul refers to it as a new body, a heavenly body, which leads us then to our next point. You don't really die, but your body and your spirit separate. We read this. Let's go back and read it again. 2 Corinthians 5, 3. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. When are you considered clinically dead? Well, obviously I'm not a medical expert, but when your heart stops beating and you quit breathing, you're dead, right? Perhaps you could even say when the brain waves cease, which often happens just a few seconds after you stop breathing, after your heart stops. In the Bible, when you think of death, though, think separation. Because in the Bible, death means separation. And there are three kinds of death talked about in the Bible. There's physical death, there's spiritual death, and there is eternal death. Physical death happens at the end of this life on earth. Our body quits functioning and we die, although we don't cease to exist. Our bodies are simply separated from our spirits. 
go back, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. It says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, he's talking about physical death now. When we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Now, the Bible also talks about two other kinds of death. Spiritual death means separation from God. We all start out in this life spiritually dead because of our sin. So, for example, in Ephesians 2.1, Paul said, once you were dead, that's spiritual death, not physical death, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. And Paul didn't mean that we were dead physically here. He meant that we're dead spiritually, separated from God. And like we said, it's our sin that separates us from God. God is holy. God means he's without sin. We are not. That separates us from him, spiritually dead. Um, Isaiah, for example, 59 verse 2 says, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Then there's a third kind of death referred to in the Bible. It's eternal death. That means to be separated from God forever. If we don't accept Jesus into our lives and experience forgiveness of sins, then the Bible described it this way. This is 2 Thessalonians 1.9. We will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from His glorious power. But when you die Physically, your body and your spirit are separated. Keep going along. Here's the third point, and it's this. Followers of Jesus go into the presence of Jesus at death. Here's the most amazing thing if you're a follower of Jesus. And, and nothing will bring you more, more hope or comfort. You'll die physically. But once you've accepted Jesus into your life, you'll never die spiritually or eternally. When your heart stops beating, you take your last breath, you are with Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5. Let's keep reading. Let's go on to verse 6. And here's what it says. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies and are not at home with the Lord, for we live by believing and not by seeing, Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. When we leave our earthly bodies, we are at home with the Lord. Wow. And check out this. This is Psalm 116, verse 15. The Lord cares deeply when His loved ones die. If you're a follower of Jesus, when you die, you have nothing to fear, nothing to dread. It's only going to get better. So that's why at the close of my funeral, I want my family to head to the funeral meal. I want them to enjoy it, maybe eat a little too much and sit back and laugh. They can laugh at me. They can laugh for me. They can laugh with me if that's even possible. I don't care. Um, one of the most memorable funerals I ever attended was for the father of one of our elders, Gary Clayton. And uh, Gary's mom and his four siblings, there were five children, all knew that Gary 
was at home with the Lord. And Gary's dad enjoyed life. He loved to laugh. So several of the kids stood up and shared memories of their dad. And they laughed. They told jokes at this funeral. They told his favorite joke. It's the most I've ever laughed at a funeral. Because they knew their dad was far better off and experienced something only they could imagine. Okay, here's the fourth point. We all face, we will all face judgment. Uh-oh. Now that doesn't sound so good, does it? I mean, the word judgment can sound biting and heavy. But true justice demands judgment. And God is a just God. And so the Bible talks about judgment. Um, Hebrews 9.27 says, each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. Now, there are two judgments described in the Bible. One is for those who have rejected Jesus as their Savior. This is described in the book of Revelation. It's actually at the end of chapter 20, and it's called the Great White Throne Judgment. Honestly, this one's not even pleasant to talk about, but people are judged for their unbelief, and they'll spend eternity apart from God in hell. Just know that that doesn't have to happen to you. In fact, because of God's love, He sent Jesus in our, into our world to take away the judgment for our sin. He took it on Himself. He did that when He died on the cross. So, if you put your faith in what Jesus has done for you, if you've accepted Him into your life, you know that your sins are forgiven, then you're eternally secure. But, followers of Jesus are judged for how they served Jesus while they were on this earth. And part of that judgment is that we're given rewards for how we serve Him. Back to 2 Corinthians 5. Um, see how Paul continues in verses 9 and 10. He says, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. That's Jesus. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Our assignment while we're in these earthly bodies is to accumulate as much money as we can. Did I say that wrong? <laughs> Our goal while we're in these earthly bodies is to get as many likes on Facebook and Instagram as we can. I messed that up too, didn't I? Our goal is to please Christ. So you see, what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. That's why this topic, this subject is so important. That's why talking about it is so crucial. You'll be judged for what you believe and how you live your life. And then finally... We go into eternity. Paul, in a book he wrote called 1 Thessalonians, describes the hope a believer has for the future. And he makes this statement, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Then we will be with the Lord forever. You know, the description in the last two chapters of the Bible, the book of Revelation, tells us what forever looks like if you're a follower of Jesus. Actually, it's beyond description. The writer of the book, John, who wrote Revelation, does his best to describe it for us. 
It's amazing. We'll actually take a look at that in a couple weeks in a little more detail. What is heaven like? But today, let me just give you a sneak preview. This is Revelation 21.4. It says, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. So let me sum up for you what we've talked about today. And this is why this subject is so important. In fact, if you missed everything else I said today, go ahead and wake up right now and catch this, all right? What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. We said that, right? But also know this, what you believe today determines where you will spend eternity. So it's my prayer that if you have not already, that you will trust in what Jesus has done for you. Believe in Him. Surrender your life to Him. And you can do that even as I close this in prayer. I'd like to pray. God, we thank You for the incredible promises that You give us in the Bible for the future, for life after death, based on what Jesus has done for us. And my prayer is that each one of us will leave here today knowing where we'll spend eternity based on what Jesus has done for us, that we'll invite Him, that we'll accept Him into our lives. And I pray, too, that we would just continue to live with the expectation that what we do in this life does matter. How we spend our time matters. That our focus should be on living to please Jesus, living to serve Him. And I pray that uh, what we know about eternity will just help us focus in on really what's important in this life. Again, thank you for the hope, the comfort, the promise you give us for the future based on what Jesus has done. And in his name I pray. Amen.